to another episode of AIW's The Card is Going to Change. On this week's episode, we discuss a show that happened in November. It is the traditional Black Friday show for AIW, Hell on Earth. My name is Steve Guy. I will be joined momentarily alongside AIW owners John Thorne and Chandler Biggins. But first, a shout out, of course, as always, to our sponsors. We want to thank SmartMark Video. Make sure you check out SmartMark Video. They can take care of all of our needs in terms of DVDs, MP4s, any sort of way that you might download the streams of our shows. Also, we want to thank uh, Angelo's Pizza for feeding us and keeping our bellies warm on yet another cold, wintry Cleveland day. Warm? Belly, our bellies are warm? They're warm. Our, our, berries, our bellies are full. They're full, full and warm. Full with calzones. Full and warm. I don't know. I'm feeling a little chilly, actually. All right. Well, that's fair. That was a weird statement. Bellies are warm. <laughs> I don't know. It's warm food. We're going to have to fucking replace you. Keep oh, going. All right. Also, we want to thank Jack Prince, who takes care of all of our printing needs. Uh, they will take care of any sort of graphic design for you, whether you have T-shirts, signage, flyers that we do, and anything else. Make sure you check them out at jackprince.com. J-A-K-Prince.com. T-shirts, buttons, posters, and so much more. There you go. DVD cases. And those voices that you heard, of course, were Chandler Biggins and John Thorne, as I previously mentioned, the owners of AIW. Uh, gentlemen, the holidays are over. We have a lot of podcast time to fill until we get to our next show in February. So I'm let's. A little worried. I'm a little worried. We're going to run out of things to talk about. We, would you guys ever run out of things to talk about? Uh, we could come up with something, I bet. We talk about the theories of uh, how tornadoes are work. They are. <laughs> Helen Hunt told me. Oh, okay. Okay, Bill Paxton too. Yeah, Dorothy one and two. Well, let's get into Hell on Earth twelve. Uh, took place Black Friday in November, and first things first. Initially, before the show even started, as usual, we had to replace somebody on the card, which of course this is the card is going to change, and so it did. And we had the tag. Team. You would think we named this because of this, but right. So we had a tag team of uh, Mr. Lee and Everett who were supposed to be on the show, and then they were not. Yeah, I guess that's uh, a classic case of miscommunication in the independent wrestling world. Um, Shima, DJZ, uh, Zima, he's got a million names. Uh, He had sent me a message and said, hey, any interest in using uh, Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett on Hell on Earth? And I said, yeah, you know, anything's, you know, Anything's possible. Well, I think the quote was, they're going to be with me. Well, at first he asked, and then I said, anything's possible if it works out. And he said, well, they're going to be they're going to be with me in Chicago. So I said, oh, well, yeah, absolutely. He said, you and know. at the time, he was not injured, so he was going to be on the show. Right. Um, so anyway, I said, yeah, sure. Um, and he goes, yeah, you know, they're going to be in Chicago. They're going to be training Lucha with me, uh, and they can, you know, just hop in the car with myself and Gringo and we can, you know, we can all ride in together. So, you know, I go, oh, yeah, absolutely. I talk to them, you know, we work out a deal. Um, and you know, everything's good. We don't hear anything. <coughs> Shima gets injured. He says he's still going to come though with everybody. Uh, so that, that's really it. And then we're in Chicago for rise weekend and, uh, Danny Daniels from AEW is like, Hey, uh, what's up with these flights? And I said, well, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and he goes, we got to split these flights. I said, what flights? He goes, for Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett. And I said, oh, they didn't say anything about that. I was just told they were going to be at Shima's house in Chicago, and they were just going to roll in. And, you know, this is a, like a week before the show. 
Um, so he goes, oh no, like, you know, we have to fly them. And I said, well, they, you know, that was never discussed. I was just told that they were going to be around. And, uh, you know, we just had them in like a tag team, like scramble match anyway, you know, they weren't in like a huge featured thing. Uh, so we didn't, we didn't really have the means to add two additional flights to the card a week before the show. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was just kind of one of those things where we're like, yeah, they're going to be around. You know, we were going to figure out a way to, to get them on the card. Uh, so once the, once the flight thing came into the picture, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of where, where things broke down in that situation. And, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, that's one of the things that you kind of, you encounter as a promoter, you know, things, things aren't, it's not like, you know, we have contracts and, uh, you know, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, so to speak, uh, when booking some people, you know, we were just, it was just kind of one of those games of telephone where Shima had contacted us and. He's like, these dudes are going to be with me. And we said, okay, cool, you know. And uh, that was really kind of where we left it after, you know, all we did was really discuss booking fees with those guys. Uh, and there was really no, <laughs> never like travel, additional travel discussed. So that's kind of where, where that whole deal fell apart. Uh, you know, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not as interesting, I'm sure, as people were hoping. Yeah, I think people wanted like a juicy story, but it was just like a game of telephone that went bad. And that, and that will happen in the independence. Well, so we lost those two they were replaced ultimately on the card by dr daniel c rockingham and brian carson as Talented a tag team of equal or greater value I, <laughs> right. would, I would say in the fans eyes but a bonus happened and it would happen to be the first uh match on the card that night and that came about really just a few nights before the show even happened and that was mike tolar essentially coming out of retirement uh taking on hot young briley after a decade no less yeah, yeah, Mike Toller, Mike Toller was retired for like a decade, huh? Yeah, and like it was one of those things where like Dave the Potato Dawson would randomly run into him about once a year and be like, "Come on, man, come back!" Yeah, because uh, Mike Toller was Dave the Potato's favorite wrestler of all time, <laughs> uh, so he was always begging him to come out, come out of retirement. <laughs> you know, like uh, Mike Toller was, he was one of those kind of classic cases that we've seen a million times to where you know he had this really promising career. Um, he was kind of on the on the road to, to WWE, he was always constantly getting looked at and doing dark matches and, um, you know, spending time down at OVW and things like that. And then, you know, uh, just like so many other guys, he meets a girl, uh, he gets married, girl, girl doesn't like the, the wrestling, you know, the wrestling thing. Um, the majority of women, you'd be surprised. Uh, they like you to have a stable career and income and, uh, know where you are at all times women don't like the white envelope full of random amounts of money yeah so uh mike mike tolar just kind of faded away into the the real world but i mean uh like the other day i just went and watched a bunch of like past show music videos and like almost every aiw show i'm like oh man that guy was so promising like whatever happened to him and like that's pretty much the story is well they met a girl and then they just had disappeared yeah so it happens it it happens so so many times like girls will just kill kill so many careers of and promising talent as soon as the relationship is over all of a sudden they're back yeah so anyway i am just, i guess how this all comes together is i go out on thanksgiving eve just like I don't know the majority of people in the world. Yeah, that's that's what happens. Yeah, uh, number one bar uh, bar, bar night, night of the in, year. Yeah, yeah. Speak, you know, said by the number one bar goer ever, Chandler Biggins. Right. Hey, I'm a. He's got you, the facts though. He, he definitely was not out on Thanksgiving no. Eve. No, I was preparing for my feast the next day. 
Yeah, you're probably watching Beverly Hills Cop or something. Uh, guaranteed I was watching some kind of shitty movie on Gable. <laughs> yeah, Biggins, uh, instead of going out, Biggins likes to stay in and watch basic cable edited t- movies. Uh, but anyway, you know. Not I- even f- right <laughs> aspect ratio, those fucking cable movies. Okay. So well, he doesn't like the aspect ratios. So I'm out. Um, every year, I I somehow, I always wind, I always run into some form of WWE superstar, whether it's running into The Miz or uh, Dolph Ziggler. It just, you know, there's a lot of the, the same bars that I guess we frequent. Um, I meet up with some of my friends. We go to this area called West Park in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, we're kind of, it's like a bigger bar district area on the west side of Cleveland. And, uh, you know, we're bar hopping. And uh, sure enough, you know, <coughs> there's Dolph Ziggler. Uh, so I go, you know, I talk to him. And then he is with uh, Hot Young Briley, his brother, who never comes home typically on, for Thanksgiving. And uh, Mike Tolar, who I had not seen in about 10 years. Uh, both <laughs> AIW alumni. So, uh, you know, we start uh, having some some drinks. and Diet Cokes. Diet Cokes. And we're, uh, you know, we're just talking and joking around and. You know, then more people start showing up. Dana Brooke shows up and some other people, some like, uh, you know, some singers from some bands and stuff. So there, there's all sorts of, I guess, local Cleveland celebrities uh, and myself <laughs> in this in this corner of this bar. And we're all hanging out. And, uh, you know, I, I start messing with Mike Tolar about how, you know, he kind of let his career go. And he's like, brother, I'm ready to come back. I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> And I go, oh, yeah. I go, I don't know, man. I don't know if you got it. It's been a while. And, you know, I just start kind of antagonizing him. And then Ziggler kind of gets involved, and he starts antagonizing Tolar about how, you know, uh, he doesn't know if he's got it anymore. You know, it's been a long time. And Tolar starts kind of getting himself real real riled up, and he goes, I, you know, I, I can wrestle. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can still wrestle. And, uh, you know, me and Ziggler are kind of messing with him. And I go, oh, yeah? Well, I go, I got a show Friday. And I said, how about you versus Hot Young Briley Friday night? And uh, Hot Young Briley goes, hey, you know, I'll wrestle. And uh, it kind of, you know, goes from there. And then he goes, oh, wait, I got Cavs tickets. My brother's taking me to the Cavs game. And then Ziggler goes, I'll rip those Cavs tickets right up if Mike, <laughs> if Mike Tolar's coming out of retirement. So I go, that, look at that, Tolar. He, this guy's giving up his Cavs tickets to see you lace them up one more time. I go, do you even still have gear? He goes, oh, yeah, I still got all my gear. The pocket gear. I go, you still got those tights with the pockets? He goes, oh, yeah, I got a, I got a couple pairs of pocket tights. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple colors. He was like John Cena of the Indies. So, uh, you know, it's just it, I, I take it as this this just night of, you know, night of fun at the bar, right? You know, we're just all messing around, whatever. And then. Well, because you had contacted me and been like, I might add another match, but I'm not sure if it's real. Yeah. Like, and you know, I'm, uh, I'm not in the, the most uh, coherent of conditions as this is all going on throughout the night. Lots so, of soda. A lot of sugar. <laughs> yeah. I had, I, I had a sugar rush going. So, uh, artificial sugar. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, you know, th- this all goes on, you know, we have, you know, we have a fun night and, uh, I'm at Thanksgiving dinner. And I get a Facebook instant message from Mike Tolar. And he goes, hey, man, I just talked to hot young Briley. This is going down. <laughs> he goes, I'm telling my family right now at Thanksgiving dinner, I'm back. And I go, because. Uh, snowballed quickly. Yeah. So so this escalated real quick. Uh, and then uh, Friday rolls around and Tolar is there real early. And I, I don't see hot young Briley anywhere. 
And, uh, fi- and, and like you had talked about, uh, like massage envy pulling on the rope or whatever. Like Tolar did that thing where he paced around the ring. He pulled on the rope a little bit. Uh, he got in and took a bump yeah, just he- to see what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't taken a bump in ten years. He he rolls in the ring. People are just standing around talking. He just hear this loud bang. It's, it's Tolar just uh, taking his first bump in ten years. I just want to see if it's still there. And <laughs> and you just see you just see he instantly just regrets this decision right right off the bat. Um, so then anyway, uh, hot young Briley rolls in and he goes, dude, he goes, I didn't have, I don't have my wrestling gear with me. He goes, so my brother had to go, my brother had to go in his bag and he had his Lana tights, uh, <laughs> in an extra pair of boots. If you forgot the angle, it was, uh, when Dolph Ziggler and Rusev were feuding and then he got, uh, Rick Rude-esque leather tights with, uh, Lana's face airbrushed on his yes. garage. Yeah. So, uh, so that's all hot young Bradley could come up with as far as gear. He's got these Lana tights, Lana on. crotch tights. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they go out and, uh, you know, I, and I, I promised Ziggler, I said, Hey, you don't have to throw away your Cavs tickets. Uh, I said, I'll put them on first and then you could go to the Cavs game, which is why, you know, a, you know, I, I wanted to, <laughs> I didn't want him to waste his, you know, probably free Cavs tickets that were given to him by like Kevin Love or something. Right. Uh, and and B, you know, we didn't know what Mike Tolar could do or And it's not like hot young Briley is working every weekend either. Yeah, you know, he's busy producing swerved and doing stand up comedy. Taco Bell commercials. Yeah. So uh, you know, they go out and they have a match and uh they they do the Goldberg Lesnar thing for a little right. bit. <laughs> yes. And they wa- and their idea was to just end it like that, which they probably should have, because it, I think it would have been super over, but I wanted to see if Tolar, you know, still had any gas left in the tank, so to speak. Seemed like he did. Uh, so yeah, you know that that's kind of how that. And like, uh, I know there was a review that said, "I don't know who these guys are," which it's not hard to research. And one number one is Dolph Ziggler's brother, but Mike Tolar, his whole backstory is like he was Dolph Ziggler's best friend, went to Kent with him, uh, went to OVW with him, and it's just one of those things where. One went one way, one went the other way. So it was like, you know, definitely a Dolph Ziggler dream match is the opener. Yeah, and I mean, you know, anytime you can provide Dolph Ziggler with a dream match, I guess you're going to do it. Somehow I think if Smothers and Marion Fontaine did a run-in, it would be his real dream. But Yeah, so I know people in the AMA had asked why he took off, and, you know, that's really the entire backstory is he had Cavs tickets and uh, he needed to get there. <laughs> and then, you know, before – AIW is even over, you know, him and uh, hot young Briley are taking pictures on, on the court and stuff in the middle of the cast game. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they had nosebleeds tickets. It's like, it's like they were never there. Yeah. What so, a night. So yeah, that's uh, you know, that's that story. It's uh, sometimes I get drunk. I run into some WWE people and uh, you know, I book their friends and their, their relatives. And uh, uh, Tolar looked great. I thought, and he got the fire again. He's back. Yeah. Now, you know, um, you know, we'll we'll discuss when we talk about the Jelly of the Month Club. But he came up to me and he, he told me one of the only things I really remember from that event. He says, "I feel alive again," because you know he's since gotten divorced and, uh, you know he's he was looking for that to fill that void or whatever. And he says, you know, getting back into wrestling has kind of given him new life. So, I mean, it's it's an addiction for a lot of people, like Josh Prohibition talks about a lot. And uh, you know he's he's got you know he's got his taste of that wrestling drug again. I guess. Welcome back, Mike Tolar. Uh, so as we continue down the card, we did have a four-way match, um, but then after the four-way match, our third match of the evening really kind of stole the show, and it had the opportunity to do that, but not for the reason I, that it ended up doing so. It's M-Dog Matt Cross 
taking on Colt Cabana. Those two elements in itself are enough to steal any show. But then the world finds out about Matt Cross's grandmother. Who knew? We could have been taking advantage of this grandmother for a dozen years. Well, it's funny because um, M-Dog did not even know that his his grandma was going to be there. She just <laughs> somehow found out that he was wrestling locally. And she has come in the past before he has told me, oh, yeah, my grandma's here. But, you know, she's never really made herself known. Oh, she made herself known this yeah, show. Yeah, she sure did. <laughs> And he, he said he didn't even know that she was there until he's wrestling and he sees his grandmother <laughs> trying to hop the guardrail. Because Cole Cabana is talking trash to her. Cole Cabana just doesn't really, obviously Cabana doesn't realize that it's M-Dog's grandmother. No, he just thinks it's an old lady. He just thinks it's well, an old lady. I think, I think the, you know, there's a Vine or, you know, RIP Vine, but there's a seven second video somewhere of uh, Lucha Max. It was, he was just, she yelled something from the crowd and Cole Cabana responded to her. And then she rips open her shirt and has that Matt she Cross t-shirt on. Yeah, it was like a total wrestling angle. Like, <laughs> And then she, she, run, she like tr- tramples over people to try to hop the guardrail to get at Cole Cabana. Yeah, she, uh, Cabana said, I think he called her grandma at one point, not realizing she really was Matt's grandma. And then he, he said something to her like, oh, I didn't realize you were such a big Matt Cross fan, which is when she opens up her jacket, showed it to everybody. And then like, had, one of those, had one of those foam swords somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Matt Cross foam sword. Oh, like, this is so good. Yeah, so, and, and talking to M-Dog uh, after the fact, I go, is that your real grandma? And he goes, yeah. I had no fucking idea she was here. <laughs> he goes, I, I he goes, I couldn't even focus because my real grandma is trying to defend me in a pro wrestling match. She was ready to hop the rail. And uh, he goes, my grandma's a nut, man. He goes, she, he goes, she just went skydiving for the first time at seventy-seven years old. <laughs> so I guess that's where he gets it from. I don't know. And I know she was hitting up uh, Nick Sanka's uh, booth, if you know what I mean. She was. She was. She was. She was definitely taking. She definitely invested in some beer tickets. That's that's where she first was, I think, before she came barreling through the crowd to get to that guardrail. So yeah, um, Grandma M Dog is. uh, She definitely stole the show, and I I think it's become. uh, I think she's almost like a draw at this point. Like I I think you know, like people come now when M Dog's on the card, everyone's looking for his grandma. That was the very next yeah. thing. You always find like that, uh, like that pitch to get on all the cards. Like M Dog, I got a grandma. Oh, you're booked all the time. Now. <laughs> Stunt granny, straight out of a fucking NBC Secrets hey, but wrestling. Think reveal. about this. Think about this. This woman, probably the day before was Thanksgiving. This woman was probably slaving over a stove, making green bean casserole. But 24 hours later, she's trying to hop a guardrail with a beer in her hand and a sword in the other, and try to beat, and try and beat up Colt Cabana. Beat up poor Colt Cabana. ColtMerch.com, Road Dyers 3, now available. Little Plugski. <laughs> wow. She, yeah, she was, uh, she was something else there. Again, I mean, it was a great match. Go back and watch it, folks. Oh, but the grandma match itself was great, but it's like the uh, grandma was like the icing on the cake. Yeah, it was like it added, like, it added a whole different layer to that match. Uh, nothing we can really say can do it justice unless you just see it yourself. Uh, so after that, we have the three-way tag match, which we had already mentioned. Um, that was the one that Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett were supposed to be on. They were not. Following the three-way tag match, uh, we have the women's championship match. Shayna Baszler back in the house, and she takes on Heidi Lovelace, who we now know and can acknowledge is down in Florida. Well, we knew it at the time, but like it was one of those things where it was so far uh, before 
her like last show right that it was we, we couldn't say anything but yeah we knew going in it was probably it yeah and i mean you know that's why we kind of wanted to do that rematch you know heidi had said that there were some things happening uh so we definitely wanted to try to because <coughs> her and shana was just so good at uh at blood sport we wanted right we wanted to do that rematch and we wanted to kind of save it for a girls night out you know to, to headline that and then you know this all this kind of happened you know over the you know over the weeks following blood sport um and you know it kind of it kind of happened pretty fast and it was one of those things that just kind of worked out because heidi was available and said you know i want to do one more show with you guys and then shana who is from South Dakota, was in South Dakota, so it's easier to get her here than when she's normally in California. Yeah, so, you know, it was one of those things that worked out. You know, I, I think it was probably better than their first match um, because they had, <laughs> you know, they had wrestled each other a, a few other times in different places. And, um, you know, I, I think it was definitely, you know, one of those classic matches. Uh, I think it was great to be able to, you know, unofficially have that kind of send-off match for Heidi Lovelace. Um and, uh, you know, she's a girl that we booked when she was a rookie. Um, and <coughs> she got mad at me because I put up a, her first AIW match when she was just god-awful on YouTube for free. And Crazy Mary, uh, who's also in NXT, is in that match, and she's probably no better. Yeah, so it's it's amazing to see how far, um, you know, Heidi Lovelace has come since, you know, that first girls' night out that she did. Because it's one of those things where... Girls could be that bad, and some will stay that bad the rest of their careers. And both of those girls, like, so much overachieved from that match. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it was one of those things that uh, you know, Heidi just continued to uh, get better and evolve her career. And, uh, you know, same with Crazy Mary. And, you know, now they, they've both wound up in the WWE. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be prouder for both of them, and especially Heidi, um, who... It was just amazing in every situation that we put her in. Um, I think she wishes, and we w- we wish her women's title run would have worked out a little better. But uh, you know, she was she became such a in demand uh, talent. You know, the last year um, it was hard to line up a lot of a lot of bookings for her because she was she was getting booked like so far in advance by different promotions. Yeah, and I think you said it correctly. You know, obviously we all here hope that she goes on and has nothing but success, and we hope to not see her on the independent circuit again. So that being said, if this is in fact uh, her last match at AIW, it probably couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was, you know, if you haven't watched, uh, if you haven't watched Hell on Earth yet, definitely go out of your way to see to see it specifically for uh, Shayna Baszler versus Heidi Lovelace. And like even also the Bloodsport match I thought was excellent and we talked about that prior, but this match it was almost like a sequel to that match because they used psychology and stuff from that first match and like built upon it. So it was like if people were following the feud from the beginning, it like was like a good like way to end it. Yeah, there were a lot of moments where you could see if you watch that first match, Shayna did certain things and then in the second match it, you know, Heidi's ready for those yeah, things. Yeah, she had yeah. the counter or whatever yeah. ready. And yep. it's, yeah. you, you really got to see, you know, both of them to be able to, you know, appreciate. You got to see the first one to really appreciate the second, to, the rematch. But, I mean, that's a testament to how good Heidi is and how good Sheen is in such a short amount of time in the business. So we go from what was really, a, I mean, a fantastic match. I know where you're going. And those women. Uh, and then we go to our next match of the night. And, you know, maybe worth mentioning because we already did a little bit with the flight troubles. We have Space Monkey versus Carly Perez. 
Well, Carly Perez got there on time. We'll give her that. She did. Yes. Yeah. This that, time she got it. She got in early, way before the show. That's that's one of those things that um, it just looks better on paper than it turns out to be. <laughs> um, <coughs> you know, we had we had seen. Uh, well, you did have Dick Justice deep throw a banana in that match. Yeah, I, that's well, not the way I, direction I would have had the banana go. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, you know, Carly Perez had this had this match against Joey Ryan at Beyond Wrestling, uh, which was like the most like offensive like <laughs> intergender match of all time. But it was entertaining. It was probably the closest to pornography pro wrestling could get without being shut down. Um, so you know, I talked to her. I said, you know, that match you had with Joey Ryan. I said. Let's take it one step weirder. Yeah, make it weirder. And now you have a monkey. Now you have a monkey. Um, and it was one of those things to where I think that they're, they had ideas, but maybe Dick Justice and Space Monkey didn't want to present a lot of their ideas because they were just listening to everything Carly had to say, or I don't know what happened, <laughs> but it was like the weirdest it was the weirdest match in like the shortest match of of like well, all like, time i i watch you know if you talk about comedic wrestling which i think the three of them were attempting to do uh, i would say the master of that is probably Cole Cabana. and i watched that match with Cole Cabana, and his big feedback was it almost felt like it needed like a director like yeah, like like right. i i guess our mistake was not putting like, like somebody allowing them to just do free will. Yeah, like not putting like an agent there to kind of like, you know, they had some good bits in theory, but like they needed somebody to you know, tell the, you know, tell them like where to go or things things like that. And know? like it seemed like it was rush where stuff could have been timed out. They had some solid setups, but there was no punchline <laughs> that they ever really got to. Right. Yeah. To exactly. And like them. you know, I I I don't know if it, whose fault it was. I I guess I think definitely I think a big uh, issue like Thorne was saying is like I think the both of them were intimidated by her, which I don't know if I could call a match with her because she's probably easily one of the uh, most attractive women you could ever see in person. As Steve Guy knows. I like how you cleaned it up and you almost said hottest and then you said attractive. <laughs> yeah. That's politically I'm trying to be politically correct. <laughs> politically correct biggins attractive. Uh, so yeah, you know it's a weird match. It is. It's one of those things that you know sometimes you hit a home run and sometimes you fucking you strike out. And that was but you got to keep swinging. You know, and that was one of those things that uh, it, it could have been a lot better. But and, and like, I think it's one of those things where live a lot of fans are saying, oh, my God, that was hilarious. And I loved it. And it seemed like they were having so much fun where DVD, I don't think it's translated as well as the live experience. Plus, it's just fucking weird. Yeah. And, yeah, you in know, the, in the moment, I think a lot of fans, just, I guess, enjoyed the weirdness for like there's a couple people that are harsh critics that are in the crowd, and all of them came up to me and said, oh, my God, seemed like it was so much fun. You know, she seemed like she was having so much fun. Yeah, because, I mean, they were having fun. It's just one of those things that we knew is not going to translate to DVD. Right. And that's, you know, that's kind of the struggle you have as an independent promoter because you, you basically have two mouths to feed. Yeah, you got you to gotta cater to that live experience, but you also got to try to cater to the video, you know, the video consumer, too, and... You know, that's one of those things that definitely is, <laughs> did not translate the video. I'll just say <laughs> she, that. of course, is way better to look at in person. No offense. Attractive, correct? Attractive. <laughs> I don't think he said anything about PC there. Yeah, the, funniest thing, the funniest thing ever is Candice will always bring up the fact that I was nervous to talk to Carly Perez, but Ronda Rousey I had no problem talking to. So. <laughs> that's, that is a little bit odd. It's, uh, I mean, Ronda Rousey. Hard to talk to. She's very attractive. Ronda Rousey's attractive, and she can is just very attractive. You but in but many ways. I, I, 
Carly Perez, just something about her makes my stomach weak. <laughs> your stomach? Yeah. Your white warm belly. <laughs> not, okay. not your knees? We're getting real uncomfortable now. You want to talk about uncomfortable? It's this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's Got you, me in the hot seat with my warm belly in the calzones. It's, 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 it's your, it's your uh, relationship with Carly Perez. Don't you I, don't, I don't have one. That's the problem. Don't you sit over here. I'm nervous. Don't you sit over here, Chandler Biggins, mocking the way people say things, okay? We asked Steve Guy to handle any wrestler. Oh, no, I'm busy. I got comedy stand-up Oh, that's such garbage. Carly Press, what time does she arrive? (laughs) At least he could could talk to her in person. That's true. I can't. I can't. There's like a force field. I I don't know. She just seems like a normal person to me. I don't know. I think we got to book her again just so you guys could talk. Get her on the podcast. You guys could have a conversation. Anybody that wants to get rid of me on the podcast, pay for Carly Perez to be our guest. All right. So that was an interesting match. And then I guess if you're going to, we've already talked about two people who are on a Lucha Underground TV show. And then our next match had a third person that was on the card that actually happens to be on that show. We had the body guys in a match. Two different kind of body guys. Ethan Page and Brian Cage. One actual body guy and one uh, wannabe body guy. One pretend body guy. <laughs> they they did have a, I don't know what you would call it, a flex off at the end. It was like a before and after picture flex off. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the uh, Ultimate Warrior Rick Rude pose down. Lots of oil, lots of flexing. It was it was like the... You want to talk about another uncomfortable match. It's Brian Cage versus Ethan Page. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was like the... Uh, uh, the uh, mouth cleanser or whatever after the Carly Perez match. That was fucking weird and then <laughs> got even weirder with the body guys. The palate cleanser? Palate cleanser. Yeah, there we go. There we mouth go. cleanser. <laughs> He's still flustered after that Carly Perez yeah. talk. <laughs> I mean, why was why do you think that match was weird? Just because oh, just of all the oil and the posing. Yeah. Oh, well, that's Oils, mu- muscles, and flexing. I mean, other than that, it was a fine match, but yeah, it was a fine. It was more that post match stuff. Yeah, that it was more there. that put the the pose down that they did. We had two fetish matches. We had that to a certain audience, and the uh, monkey versus hot chick uh, thing. You're right there, you go. Uh, Try, just trying to get those YouTube hits up, man. <laughs> uh, the we next, did it for the hits. Next match worth noting because there's a story of one of these participants that happens after the show. But we had the AIW Tag Team title match, which actually was a rematch from Double Dare with Team Crazy Pain taking on the Jollyville Fuckets. Of course, Team Crazy Pain features Steve Pain and Gringo Loco. I mean, I, you know, it's, it, the match is good as to be expected, just like their Double Dare match. But the real story is... Uh... What happens to uh, Gringo Loco after the fact? We have the after party, which well, had karaoke. Well, yeah, there's the after party, and uh, which Steve Payne is just can't believe how cheap alcohol is in in Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio. Um, so he, I, he proceeds to spend probably all of his money on tequila because he says it is at least thirteen dollars cheaper than it is in L.A. for a drink. Um, <coughs> and uh, Gringo Loco, he is. Very happy that he is still a tag, AIW Tag Team Champion. So uh, he is uh, he's celebrating like a champion, so to speak. Uh, really indulging in the uh, the alcoholic beverages. Um, wine- Meanwhile, uh, karaoke is going on like Steve Guy says. And Eddie Kingston doesn't sing. He just does spoken word. Yeah, Eddie, Kingston, Eddie Kingston does a spoken word. I sing hero to Eddie Kingston. And the karaoke lady was uh, taking bribes to play songs over the wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was a very weird experience. But uh, so anyway, um, someone comes in and gets me, and they say, 
Gringo Loco is getting arrested outside. And I said, what? Well, because he went outside to get his bags because he was going to get an Uber, and then it just went downhill. So I go, what? And I walk outside, and sure enough, there's Gringo Loco with some officers of the law. And uh, I go out there, and I, I, I try to... Uh, I try to use some some connections that I have in the uh, local judicial system, and uh, it is not uh, welcomed uh, by the. By I don't the, think they liked your input. Yeah, they 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 they, uh, they did not. They weren't trying to hear what I was trying to say. I was trying to get Gringo Loco out of trouble. They tell me to leave. I go back inside. I don't know what happens to Gringo Loco. He's gone. I assume he gets the Uber, right? I assume they let him go. Um, I wake up the next day to a. Facebook I am from Gringo Loco that says, dude, you got to come get me. Uh, I am in Lakewood jail. And I, this is a Facebook I am. Um, so I go there. I go there. Sure enough, you know, he is there. I bail him out. It turns out what had happened is, is he did not have my phone number. Um, so he convinced the officer of the law to let him log in to Facebook on his cell phone. <laughs> so he could send me an instant message to get him out of jail in the morning. Uh, so I get him out of jail in the morning. He had lost his his belongings, his keys, his cell phone. Uh, it turns into a wild goose chase um, trying to locate all of his belongings. And uh, then Gringo Loco goes home and he has a heart attack. Uh, so it was a wild 24 hours for him. Yep. It, 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 technology has got to the point where if you're in jail, you just go, I don't want my one phone call. I want my one Facebook chat. Yeah. yeah. So he gets his one Facebook chat uh, and that's what got him out of jail. And then he, uh, when he gets back home, he has a heart attack, which, uh, you know, that that is just awful for him. We're, you know, I've stayed in contact. He says he is on the full road to recovery. Um, and he is ready to uh, he'll be ready to return to AIW in February. Uh, so, you know, that's a crazy story, a sad story. And uh, hopefully a Thank God, he's OK. You know, I guess he was from what I was told, he was legally dead for five to ten minutes. Um, they had to uh, hit him with the paddles and revive him. They brought him back to life. And, uh, you know, now all which, which what a scary thing, because I actually read on Facebook the night after our show um, people were talking about how there was a guy at a Lucha show that died in the locker room and they couldn't find any of his information, couldn't find any like uh, cell phone or any, you know, wallet or anything. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a horrible story. And then the day later, I found out it was Gringo Loco. So thank God he's OK now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, certainly a scary moment you don't want to ever happen, ever have happened at your show, but you don't want it to happen in general. Yeah, and, yeah, but for sure, I mean, if it would happen at our show, that's horrible. But yeah, and and certainly it, to someone that we know and we really appreciate and enjoy, uh, you know, our best of wishes to Gringo Loco even now as he continues to recover. And like John said, he plans on being back in February. Yes, you know, uh, all you know, unless uh, something happens <coughs> to where the uh, you know the doctor doesn't clear him or something. Um, but you know, I've been keeping in contact with him, and he says everything is is on schedule. So, uh, you know, let's, you know, let's hope uh, crazy. It was just a crazy, uh, like 24, 48 hours for that guy, uh, yeah. to, to go from being arrested to uh, getting bailed out, to dr- driving back to Chicago to then, uh, I get medically dying, you know, and, uh, crazy. Cr- like, uh, I, I don't even really know what to say other than that's fucking nuts. <laughs> it's glad he's okay. It's loco. Yeah. Well, to kind of, jump up after that somber note 
The next match on the card, I talked about uh, Matt Cross and Cole Cabana stealing the show. This one kind of did too, and probably a bit of a proud moment for you guys because it actually featured an AIW student. We had Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Dominic Garini in what became a match that really has lifted Dominic Garini and helped him get opportunities outside his his home base of AIW at this point. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a high risk to put a, a quote, student in with a guy like Zack Sabre, who's like, you know, a pretty expensive import uh, type guy. But, you know, you got to take risks. Like we were talking about the Carly Perez match. Sometimes you got to like go up to the, you know, the mound and swing it a hit, you know, or something like that. <laughs> sports guy. Swing it a hit. Uh, just so you know, the usually, sports bar guy. usually the guy on the mound is the pitcher. Yeah, you go up to the base, the home the base. Plate. Home plate. There you go. Um, uh, and so, swing. So I think, you know, that was just one of those things where um, we have kind of sat back recently, you know, a couple months ago, and you see how quick and how rapidly people are getting signed, whether it's to WWE or Ring of Honor, or TNA, um, or, you know, now, you know, there's rumors of Flow Slam signing people and WWN signing people, and there's all these contracts, and, like, everyone's trying to, you know, lock... Like, yeah, lock up lock, lock down talent. There's not a lot of that marquee talent to go around, so our thought process is, is hey, let's try to invest and cultivate some new talent. Um, we have a school, uh, you know... Why, why not? Why not take a chance? You know what I mean? Because who knows what the landscape of independent wrestling is going to be in six months, um, just based on how it's been going. You know, if you look at how rapid people have been getting signed to contracts everywhere, you know, um, there's not going to be a lot of guys left in six months. So it's like, all right, you know, let's take a chance. Let's let's try to make a new guy. Let's try. Let's try to you know give like. We try to give all our students, I guess, enough rope to hang themselves with, so to speak. Um, and it's like, here you go. go. It's like, you know, sink or swim. And, you know, Dom, you know, we gave him that opportunity. He definitely rose to the occasion, in my opinion. And because he was able to, you know, rise to the occasion, it, it elevated him as a talent, not only in AIW, but now, you know, he's starting to get bookings in different places. And, uh, you know, now he's kind of becoming a, a guy to go out and fill some of these spots that are opening up across the independence. And I feel not a lot of promotions are trying to invest and create new talent right now. Um, and that's kind of what we have decided to try to focus on as much as possible. Uh, you know, we realize we can't have an entire, you know, <coughs> show of de developing people, but uh, we're definitely going to take those, you know, those spots when we have them and, uh, you know, give some people some opportunities to kind of, step up to the next level, so to speak. And I, I think Dom did extremely well. And I think he uh, really, really over-delivered in that situation. Zack Sabre Jr. is a guy that is considered to be one of the best in the world. Is that a hard conversation to have with him? How receptive was he when you approached well, him and no, said, hey, we'd like no to There's no conversation at all. He just took the date and, uh, you know, took the match. And he likes a variety of guys and he likes – you know, he liked working Lewis Linden because uh, it's a guy that he doesn't see a lot. And then Dominic Garini, there was no discussion. He just was like, okay, cool, you know. And the thing about him is, is you know, he's considered the best in the world. When you put him, like, he looks at something like that where he's in there with this unknown guy. He looks at that as somewhat of a challenge, um, you know, to prove that he is 
the best in the world. Uh, I think like a big misconception when we like we're talking about the Matt Riddle situation is like we don't send matches to people and have approval. Like if we book somebody for a show, it's kind of like up to us to put whatever the match together. Uh, sure. So like it's not like one of those things where uh, give me your dates and let me approve who I'm working. Like really nobody uh, knows who they're working when they take a date. Working with. They're working the fans. They're working. Yeah. Hey, man. But uh, yeah, you know, that's one of those things. It it makes it, it. It's something that excites a guy like Zack Sabre Jr. Just as much as it excites a guy like Dominic Greeny. Dom knows he's going to get an experience like no, you know, none other. And right. Zack Sabre Jr. knows that, you know, he's got to, you know, he's got to test himself. You know, it, is he really as good as, you know, everyone thinks, you know, and that, that's, that's one of those situations to where, you know, that, that proves that he's just as good, just as much as it proves Dom is good. And it was, uh, that was really a match that the, the live crowd was very hot for, which I think was a question going into, we all knew there's probably going to be a lot of chain wrestling to start it. And you look at today's day and age, you have a lot of high spots and everything. Would that translate? And I mean, the crowd loved it. Well, and I think that's a testament to, how we look at shows, if we had a full card of just that style, sure, I don't think it would have been, you know, it wouldn't have been different. But I think it was so much different because, you know, we had high flying. We had a monkey versus a hot woman. Uh, we had attractive. 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 Uh, we had the body guy match. We had, you know, the Lucha Libre stylings of the tag match. Like, we have so much variety that, like, a match like that positively stands out. Yeah. Um the last two matches on the card, both excellent as well. Um, you know, they should be given their due. Yeah, the intense title match, Alex Daniels and Laredo Kid, And then we also had the absolute championship match uh, between Tim Donson and Josh Prohibition, which fans actually uh, brought weapons for. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where uh, people want those fans bring the weapons at every hell on earth. And uh, we kind of said you can bring some weapons and we'll see how things play out. And... Uh, you know, Josh Prohibition was he, he wanted to uh, take it back to the backyard, so to speak. And uh, Laredo Kid, Laredo Kid, I think purposely did not get lost that show. He told the potato that he is not going to get lost because he realizes that it is a becoming a problem that he becomes lost throughout Cleveland and nobody can find him. But then he gets lost uh, the following month. So it was just a one. It wouldn't show. Uh, it's a one off. Yeah, it was just a one off, <laughs> not getting lost. And you know, I. Uh, I, I tried to speak to Laredo Kid in his not so much English, and I said, you know, people are very concerned that you get lost. And he goes, ah, you know, Cleveland, my fans. <laughs> I th- Laredo Kid, I love him. But he, I think he doesn't realize he has to get lost, or else what would we talk about? No, he was in on the joke. He kept telling Potato, no loss today. <laughs> and I think, you know, he was very moved that people are so concerned that he's lost. My fans. <laughs> to Cleveland, my fans. As if Cleveland is the only place that he has fans. <laughs> oh, that can't be the case. Everybody loves the Laredo kid. Oh, he is a legend. He is. Well, I mean, the show was great. We went through the card pretty much top to bottom. Uh, there was the after party. We kind of Which, touched down. We, we got to talk about Laredo kid. Uh, you had to clean up his blood everywhere. Yeah, well, that's true. There was, yes. He and Alex had some hard-hitting moments. Hard-hitting match. He even slapped the glasses off of Greg Iron's face multiple yeah. times. Besides Cole Cabana's grandma, that might be my favorite part of the show, <laughs> is when Laredo Kid just hit Gregory Iron as hard as he could. <laughs> right across the face. Uh, but yeah, Laredo Kid spitting up blood everywhere. And I, I, think, I think that's why he didn't get lost, because there's a trail of blood everywhere he went. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I... 
legitimately spent like five or ten minutes cleaning up his blood after that match so we can have our final one. You know, you do what you can. Uh, Karaoke, I I mean, I think we touched on it. Everybody had a great time. Yeah, Uh, Shout out out to Mahal's for... uh, Continuing to host uh, the AW After Party, I think that is going to be an ongoing thing uh, well, <laughs> until you know un- until until uh, a- something bad happens, yeah, something worse than yeah, yeah something worse next than no- what normally happens. Yeah. Uh, I will say shout out to Mahal's, like Thorne said. Uh, shout out to the karaoke lady that let Eddie Kingston do spoken word. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and then he he tried to sing "Hello" from Lionel Richie. Hello, is it me <laughs> you're looking for? Hello. That's how Eddie Kingston sings. It's so weird. Well, that'll do it uh, for this episode of AIW's The Card is Going to Change. For more uh, Chandler Biggins, Eddie Kingston karaoke impersonations. Hello. You'll have to tune into the next episode. Uh, Please, everyone, go out of your way to uh, tweet Chandler Biggins erotic-looking photos of Carly Perez. And I think him, she does okay on her own. Make him feel <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> We want to thank once again to our sponsors, uh, Smartmark Video, Jack Prince, and, of course, Angelo's Pizza. That did what, Chandler Biggins? Made our stomachs warm. Is that what you, what <laughs> yeah, you said? Yeah, there you go. Uh, until next time, I'm Steve Guy for Chandler Biggins and John Thorne. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Thanks. I can't even believe you still do this. <laughs>